Hello everybody, welcome to episode 111 of No One's Ready for Wrestling as I talk professional wrestling and give my honest opinion for your Wrestlemania Saturday. Oh my goodness, this is a busy day and I'm gonna be... <laughs> I'm going to be covering both nights, possibly on Monday. But anyway, I am your host, the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. It's your boy, Shino D. Phoenix. And uh, I want to thank y'all so much for tuning in uh, to this episode of the podcast. Now, I recently, well, last night, I did my review for uh, both nights of NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver. So if you want to check that out, it is available Make sure you guys take a listen to it. It's really worth the time. And I covered both nights of the show, which I thought was an excellent show. And the final Wednesday for NXT as they now move to Tuesday nights. So I'm looking forward to what they got in store for us. And we might see the NXT of old again. Because it feels like every takeover, they never miss a beat. But anyway, but anyway, like... I don't have much news, unfortunately. Uh, I managed to get some, but the big story is WrestleMania. We're going to do our predictions for that. That's how we're going to end it. Uh, I do have quick thoughts on Raw. I know I'm going to have some quick thoughts on SmackDown, and we're just going to end the uh, podcast without, with my predictions going into WrestleMania for both nights. And I'm going to be taking notes on that and trying to live tweet at the same time. So, this is a challenge I did for TakeOver. It's a challenge I'm going to do for WrestleMania. So, this should be interesting. And I might be doing that from now on. So, that's going to be my new strategy. That way I could do this on time. That way I don't have to, uh... That way I don't have to, you know... Do it, uh, next week on the post-Monday Night Raw after Mania. So, that's what I'm going to go do right at this very moment. But for those who don't know who I am, I am the one and only Phoenix that rises from the ashes. I'm Shino D. Phoenix. Uh, just like I said, not much to go over today. Got some minor and some major news. But the big thing, like I said, we're doing WrestleMania predictions. And even though I'm like a broken record. But um, uh, just a lot's been going on. It's just a busy week. A really busy week. So, and I also got a stream on Saturday. So, we'll do a quick plug on that. So, social media, you guys know the drill. If you're new, write it down. That way you guys can know where I'm from, what I do. Um, my Twitter is ShinoDPhoenix. I do live tweet for Raw, SmackDown, NXT, and AEW. And on a rare occasions, Impact, New Japan, NXT UK, and other wrestling shows that I watch. So, I mean, that's where you find me where I just tweet about wrestling and give my honest opinion about it. Um, like, <clears throat> that's what I do. And I also promote my Twitch channel on uh, Twitter, which speaking of, you can follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. I do a live stream um, every Saturday. This Saturday, I'm probably going to do an early one because of WrestleMania. I believe it starts at 6 so, I want to make this one early as possible. That way I can get ready to uh, take notes and live tweet with you guys. So, that's what the plan is for this Saturday. 
if you have an Instagram, make sure you guys follow me on Instagram. It's uh, Cool Man Sip at CYP. I mean, I post gaming related stuff on there mostly when I go live on Twitch. Um, I like uh, how would I say this? I like meeting new people. I should say that with Twitch as well because I do that as well. But um, I only post when I go live. But on a rare occasions, I post wrestling stuff. Well, for the most part. But I'm using Instagram now for Twitch-related stuff. So that's the main thing for that. I also have a Discord, guys. If you want to join my Discord, DM me on Instagram or at Twitter. That way I can send you a link to my Discord. And it's a really nice organized one for me for my discord you could talk about anything like it's best if you guys see if you dm me so that's what you're gonna have to do and finally if you have a facebook make sure you guys uh like the facebook page no one's ready for wrestling it's not that hard that way you can get updates and uh that way you can stay up to date on when i post the reviews of a big pay-per-view or the podcast episodes in general. So that's what you're going to have to do. So like the Facebook page and that's that. I want to start off with a non-wrestling related news. And this is news that broke hours ago at about 10 o'clock in my area. And it's music related and and it's just something that really we all saw coming but it was just heartbreaking to hear and it's rapper DMX um he's he's gone DMX has died and I'm reading this from TMZ a week after suffering an overdose TMZ broke the story that X had no had virtually no brain function after he was deprived of oxygen for nearly 30 minutes following his overdose Brain functions never returned, and by Thursday, his organs began failing while he remained on life support in a New York hospital. Many people in X's family were at the hospital over the last week, including his mom, fiance, and many of his kids. A representative for his family tells TMZ, We are deeply saddened to announce today that our loved one, DMX, birth name, of Earl Simmons passed away at 50 years old at White Plains Hospital with his family by his side after being placed on life support for the past few days. Earl was a warrior who fought to the very end. The statement continues by saying he loved his family with all of his heart and we cherish the time we spent with him. Earl's music inspired countless fans across the world and his iconic legacy will live on forever. We appreciate all the love and support during this incredibly difficult time. Please respect our privacy as we grieve the loss of our brother, father, uncle, and the man the world knew as DMX. We will share information about his memorial service once details are finalized. DMX got his start in a music band, no, in a music back in the 80s, performing with Reddy Ron while simultaneously serving time behind bars until he finally dedicated himself to music full-time in the 90s. He eventually got signed to Columbia Records' Rough House imprint and appeared on records with Jay-Z, LL Cool J, Mace, and even the rock band Sum 41. Um, it wasn't until 98 
he truly broke out when he released his Rough Rider debut studio album, It's Dark and Hot and Hell is Hot, to critical and mainstream acclaim. Not to mention, he added a new canine persona. Um, Ida produced four singles, including well-known Get At Me Dog, How's It Going Down, and Stop, Stop Being Greeted, and the track might perhaps be his best known, The Rough Riders Anthem, which became the song to everyone played to get hype. Rough Rider has gone down in history as one of the greatest hip-hop songs ever, and it ended up making it on the Billboard's Hot 100 chart. He followed it up that sec success quickly with the second album later that same year. Flesh of My Flesh, Blood of My Blood came out on December of 98 and ended up hitting number one. At the time, he was the second rapper to release back-to-back -back albums in the same year, the first being Tupac. At some point, DMX has cemented himself and his sound abrasive, rough around the edge, but also catchy and um, and great for parties and getting amped. His third album hit the last point home with his single Party Up, Up in Here, another one of X's notorious songs that helped him get major play on radios, in clubs, and in movies. Speaking of movies, X himself made his feature film debut in 2000's uh, Romeo Must Die, which starred Jet Li playing a ver version of Romeo opposite Aaliyah. He went on to star in a number of memorable flicks after, after that as the 2000's rolled on. Exit Wounds and Cradle 2, The Grave comes to mind. So do Never Die Alone and Last Hour. Safe to say, X was making a name for himself both in and out of music, but of course he was fighting legal battles um, in the background at the same time. Over the years, he got rung up on many charges, weapons, drugs, DUI, and later tax evasion. He served time for some of those cases, but always continued his music career. As he struggled with the law, X continued to crack to uh, crank out hits, including his memorable Ex Gon' Give It To You, Where The Hood At, and Lord Give Me A Sign, as well as We In, we in Here. He really seemed to turn his life around in uh, 2019 after ending a 12-month sentence for tax evasion. Uh, DMX had long battled with substance abuse, and it was at this point he did his last rehab stint. Afterwards, he was looking better than he had in years and made his return at the stage of December of 2019 when he hit uh, Hakkasan in uh, Las Vegas chatting it up and taking photos with fans before he hit the stage. And another sign of just how beloved he was by fans in the industry, DMX of all people created the new Christmas classic in, in 2012 when he freestyled his own version of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. It had all the charm his audience had come to love about the man. In July of 2020, fans worldwide watched as DMX and Snoop Dogg faced off in a versus battle with over 500,000 viewers on Instagram Live. The rapper complimented each other. The rappers complimented each other as they spit some of their most iconic tracks, like when DX hopped on and joined Snoop's for "Ain't No Fun." Snoop also got down with Drop It Like It's Hot and Gin and Juice. 
um, while DMX spit Where My Dog's At and his mega hit X Gonna Give It To You, which brought Snoop out of his seat. The last time TMZ caught up with him on cameras was in July of 2019 and DMX talked to, to them about the importance of being safe on movie sets when doing action scenes and stunts. DMX is survived by his 15 children. Um, the youngest was born in 2006 to his fiance, and X was 50 years old. Like, my heart really goes out to his family, especially his kids, man. To lose your father like this is something that's very hard to deal with. And just the, the hip-hop world lost a legend. And when we heard that he was in the hospital, like when my brother and I heard he was in the hospital, we were worried and we thought he was going to pull through. And it's, and it's just sad, man, because like when we first thought he passed was yesterday and people were, people didn't get their source right until DMX's close friend came on Instagram and told them that the report is not true. He's still alive and he's on life support. You hear from his family tomorrow, and which is today, and the family made the announcement that um unfortunately he passed away. This is a loss that really, really um is gonna rock the hip hop community, and it really hurts me because my brother and I grew up listening to DMX. Like, it's just heartbreaking, man. To just hear something like this. And my heart really goes out to his fiance, To his family. His friends. I know Snoop Dogg is taking it so hard man. Because he got to do that live Instagram with uh, him. And I know he knows him on a personal level. And I just hope Snoop Dogg is, uh, is okay. Because that's a good friend of his. And I send my con like I said, I send my condolences to his family, his friends. Rest in peace, DMX. We gonna we're gonna miss you, man. But your legacy will always live on forever. It's a real big loss in the uh, hip hop world, man. We really lost a great one. Now that we have to talk about DMX, and I know the people around the world are re- reacting to his passing. Let's try and let's move from that and talk about AEW, which I don't have any, I don't have much news, but um, the only thing I do know is Tony Khan commented on NXT moving to Tuesday nights, and we only got two stories involving Britt Baker. Now, Britt Baker was the first woman that AEW signed other than Brandi Rhodes. And they pushed her as a big baby face, which it wasn't working. But that shifted eventually. Baker has excelled as a heel and it's going and it's a good thing because she was scared shitless as a baby face. Um while speaking to Wrestle Talk, Britt Baker discussed that period in her career where AEW pushed her as a baby face. She had no confidence in that role after getting plucked out of the indies. Um, she said, I didn't really have a lot of confidence as a babyface. I was scared shitless. I was brand new on TV. I got plucked off the indies in front of 100 people and then wrestled in front of millions of people on TV. I literally had no idea 
what I was doing. I had a gimmick or a character or anything. Well, I didn't have a gimmick or a character or anything that I had a lot of faith in myself. It was like, it was just like, oh, you're the face of the women's division. I'm like, okay, but like, am I, am I? I'm scared. But then being a heel, I literally just get to say and do and think out loud all the time. And it's so much fun because you have to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. You have to be like, what's something right now that's going to piss everybody off? Which in normal life, you wouldn't do that because you have filters that will stop you from saying that. Not in wrestling, you have to say it all. And for me, that is just so fun. It's like sick and twisted, right? But it's so much fun. And it's just something that I can finally sink my teeth into that I have my own ideas. I have my own way of how I would say or do something and it's confidence is what it is. I didn't really think about whether I be a baby face or a heel either one way or another because I never even considered being a heel. I've never done heel stuff. It's such a foreign world to me. Like putting heat on putting heat on in a match, I'm like, what? I don't know what's going on. So I just always envisioned myself being a babyface, but now I can't envision myself being a babyface if that makes sense. So Britt Baker has evolved considerably since um, starting out in AEW, but um, I'm very happy for Britt as a heel. I think she is killing it. She honestly is the only reason I like AEW in the women's division along with Hikaru Shida. But I think she's been the only person that I think stood out. And can you imagine her with the title? The women's title? Um, and I'll get to what I think is going to happen when we talk about Dynamite. Which, uh, I mean, it wasn't a bad show. It was a solid show. And I'll repeat that again. But I think Britt is killing it as a heel. She is just hitting a home run, to say the least. But she's... But we had a WWE Hall of Famer who actually praised Trish Strat, who actually praised uh, Britt Baker, and that's Trish Stratus. And Trish appeared on Busted Open Radio, and she, like, she was advertising. No, Busted Open Radio was advertising Trish Stratus's appearance on the radio. Then Britt Baker chimed in and told them to tell her hi for her. Little did she expect. But Trish saw that tweet and responded in a huge way by saying, Hello, you bloody legend. Literally, wanted to reach out to give you the proverbial thumbs up, but well, you know how that went for some. But since I have you, thank you for your work and contributions as a woman, as a woman in our sport. Keep it up, girl. Now, Britt Baker was pretty blown away after seeing that response, and it's totally understandable that she was at a loss for words. But she did reply by saying, I-L-Y, and, and I know Tr Trish, uh, I know Britt was fangirling after that, but to get that compliment from, uh, from uh, Trish, who is a legend in her own right, and calling you a legend for what you did. 
that's a really great approval. And I think it's going to skyrocket her into a big run with the title. And I think that's what's going to happen on uh, Dynamite. Now, we discussed NXT moving to Tuesday, which I think is a great move for uh, us wrestling fans instead of just flicking back and forth on what wrestling show we're watching. Like... NXT won't go unopposed to AEW. AEW won't go unopposed to NXT, which I think is great for us wrestling fans. Now, the big test has to be if they could get their numbers up with um on uh, separate shows. Now, WWE has confirmed they'll be moving to NXT from Wednesday to Tuesday starting April 13th. Which ended, which ends the Wednesday night war between them and AEW. Since 2019, Dynamite on TNT has been going head to head with NXT on the USA Network, and this change is due to the NHL moving to the USA Network on Wednesdays when NBC Sports Network shuts down later this year. AEW President Tony Khan spoke with PW Insider about a wide range of topics, and during it, he talked about whether NXT moving to Tuesday changes anything for AEW. Now, Khan noted that AEW has stacked shows for not only this week, but next week, which is the first night they'll go on a pose, as NXT will air on Tuesday. He noted that he has some stories this week that will be very interesting, and he hopes it will lead to people checking out the show next week to find out about the follow-up. So he said, so I think having Mike Tyson on the show this week is a great way to bring some attention to the wrestlers and our big matches and big stories this week. We're, and we're going to have a really strong card the next couple weeks. Uh, we're going to, we have a great roster and there's no reason we should have great cards every week. We've considerably been doing big matches every Wednesday. And I think now's a great time to pour some gasoline on the whole situation and create a blaze. And like I said, the big test for AEW and NXT is if they could reach like that 1 million um, mark. And if they do, then it's a success. Like if they still stick to the hundred thousands, like in the hundred thousand territory, then they're going to need some work. But you're going to see a decrease. You're going to see an increase. I mean, like how would I put it? Like, when they bought in Mike Tyson against... Like, they literally bought Mike Tyson in to go up against TakeOver, which they knew that it's a big offense that everybody was going to watch, which TakeOver did win the final uh, war, the final ratings war, like I mentioned in my review. And it's... Yeah, it's dead and gone. But I honestly didn't really care about it. Mike Tyson making an appearance. I like Mike Tyson, but I just didn't care about it. But if they could try and create a buzz and try to get people watching, then by all means, I think it's a good idea. So, and I think it's good for NXT if they create some buzz for their shows as well. Everybody wins in the end. And speaking of NXT, just a quick minor report. Nobody was injured on TakeOver, so that's great news. I know it's going to be a lot of sore bodies, but it's a great uh, it's a great thing to hear that nobody got hurt. That's good. So, yeah, I think AEW Dynamite. Let's see what they do next week if they could reach one million. 
by the like about this week and then the next two weeks. If they go down next week, then there's gonna there's a problem. There's a problem, and we have to figure out what that problem is. But anyway, back to AEW. We got um an AEW star working through an injury. Um, since the arrival of AEW, the promotion has pushed FTR as a top act. All Elite Wrestling recently aligned the tag team with MJF as part of the pinnacle that also features Tully Blanchard, Wardlow, and Sean Spears in the group. Um, so, Dave Meltzer noted on the Wrestling Observer newsletter that Dax Harwood's left elbow has been injured for about six weeks. It was also pointed out that um, Harwood had it taped in his most recent match. However, the reason he's continuing to wrestle despite being injured is due to it being really important to team up with Blanchard in a six-man tag team match a few weeks ago. The original plan... Oh, but we will get into the big announcement that happened on Dynamite and Jericho cutting what I thought was a great promo. So... Let's quickly talk about um, AEW Dark Elevation and AEW Dark. So here's the results in case you don't watch it. Hangman Page defeated Bill Collier. The Varsity Blondes defeated uh, Dean Alexander and Sean Dean. Britt Baker defeated Alex Gracia in a matter of seconds. Press 10, Vance defeated Danny Limelight. Big Swole defeated Jasmine Allure. You got Michael Nakazawa defeating Vari Morales. Lance Archer defeated Baron Black. Ryo Mizunami defeated Tesha Price. You got Max Caster defeating Cole Cabana. The Butcher and Blade and Private Party, they defeated Ryzen, D3, Adam Priest, and Fuego Del Sol. Matt Hardy uh, defeated Allen Five Angels. And Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky defeated the Seidel brothers. And we also had a sit-down interview with John Silver and Paul White, which I thought was very good. If you guys want to watch it, it's on their YouTube channel. Really good stuff. And we got a Brody Lee mention, which brought a tear to my eye. And now let's talk about Dark for a bit. Evil Uno and Stu Grayson and Alex Reynolds defeated Sage Scott, Jake St. Patrick, and... Chandler Hopkins, Team Taz, Ricky Starks, Brian Cage, and Powerhouse Hobbs with uh, Hook defeated Brick Aldridge, Justin Law, and Hayden Backlund. Jurassic Express defeated Rex Lawless and Dean Alexander. Ryan Nemeth defeated Fuego Del Sol. The Butcher defeated John Cruz. Team C Stars, Ashley Vox and Delmi Exo defeated Vert Vixen and Jasmine Allure. Red Velvet defeated Kylan King. No, Red Velvet and Kylie King defeated Vipers and Maddie Winkowski. JD Drake defeated Baron Black. Uh, Joey Janela and Sonny Kiss defeated uh, Casey Navarro and Aaron Fry. Matt Seidel defeated Mike Magnum. Matt Hardy defeated Valerie Morales. And Bear Country defeated TH2. So those are your results for, um, for AEW Dark. Now, let's talk about AEW Dynamite, which I thought on a whole went right after I watched um, TakeOver Night 1 and finished taking notes on that. 
I rewatched it. It it was an average show. I'm not saying it was a great show. It was average, solid, not their best show. But um it was average at best. We kicked things off with Hangman Page versus Max Caster, which I thought was a pretty good match. Um the end of the match saw when you got um Hangman Page trying to go for the dead eye, but Anthony Bowens slides a boombox into the ring and the ref takes it away and he well Rick Knox takes it away and just bought just yells at Anthony Bowen and you have uh Bowens sliding a chain caster pops page in it with it and uh he goes for the cover only for a two count he looks for the dive and elbow drop but he misses buckshot lariat um by um hangman page and he continues his winning ways so that i thought was a it was a good decent opening match and page continues to rack up some wins and then sooner or later which i'm gonna say at all out he might get an opportunity against kenny omega or maybe at uh full gear he gets an opportunity and he beats omega which would be a really good feel-good moment so I see that happening. It's a matter of when. Now we had Tony Schiavone who is in the ring. He's introduces Death Triangle. Pack is back. Now he reminds everyone that they have a shot at the tag team title since they won the Casino Tag Team Battle Royal, and it will happen next week. So Orange Cast Hassidy's music hits, and you got Chris Statlander and Best Friends head to the stage. And says it's nice to see the, all three of them in the ring. And we get a recap on the big screen that um, it is way back in 2020 in February and May where Death Triangle was attacking the group. Now, Chuck Taylor said that it's been a while, but they remember. And Pac says he gets why they're here. And clearly they see the writing on the wall. Pac says they want a shot at well, they technically won a shot at the tag titles. And he tells them to get... They got a lot of work to do and they aren't worthy. Trent gets on the mic. Says he knows they got to work their way up. And he's been out of action. And they have more wins than any tag team in this company. And Trent says... He just wants to let them know that the boys are back in town. And they got an alien with them too. So... I mean, I think this is going to be a feud after Death Triangle gets their shot against the Young Bucks next week. And, um, yeah. I think that's a feud that's going to happen. So, skipping ahead, we, we got to talk about the Jericho promo, which I thought was absolutely fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. Um, so, the Inner Circle came out of the ring... And Chris Jericho sit, is on the mic. The inner circle didn't say nothing. It was all Chris Jericho. This was, they came out of the babyface tunnel. And I like that attention to detail. So Jericho says that they got the wake up call after getting beat up by the pinnacle. Now he apologized for letting people down. And he says that he may not be smart at everything. But he's smart with pro wrestling. He wanted to bring MJF in to keep him under his thumb. And he keeps referring to him as my jerk-off friend. 
And he knew, Jericho knew he would have turned eventually, but they didn't think he'd be a step ahead of them. Now Jericho says that given MJF a swirly last week, he, he jokes about that and he can't wait for that swirly champ when he comes out. Jericho talks about MJF wanting everything right now and he doesn't want to wait. Jericho said he can't be the GOAT right right off the bat. He's got to start smaller and be better than Peter Avalon, Michael Nakazawa, or even his scarf, which he says that MJF is not as good as he thinks he is. And he go back to check his phone after every match and promo to see what people thought. Jericho then calls him a mark. And he says maybe the phrase should be called a max. He could now, he said that MJF will never be better than him and he surrounded himself with sour men. He calls Tully a third string four horsemen, saying, and he also says that FTR is one of the best, but he can't tell which is which. He says Spears has great upside, but he's never seen it. He's just seen his name shown up on his phone when he was fired from the Fed, in which he was referring to WWE, who he's going to be appearing on the... Uh, broken skull session after Wrestlemania night 2 so he said Warlow has no brains Jericho knows the pinnacle is a good group but if they want blood and violence then they got it it's, Jericho said May 5th it will be pinnacle versus the inner circle in a blood and guts match so we got our first blood and guts match originally it was supposed to be the inner circle versus the elite but COVID fucked everything up but, yeah, May 5th, I'm looking forward to this. Jericho's promo was fantastic. I thought this was the highlight of uh, the show, if you would, if you want me to be honest with you. Now, skipping ahead to some stuff, um, I know we got Christian Cage being interviewed by Dasha. We got possibly a storyline between Cage and Team Taz. Like, Taz is trying to offer him to join the group. And, you know, I think I know where that's going to go. We got Jurassic Express versus Bear Country. They were billing this as Godzilla versus King Kong. This match was not good. And I'm sorry, it wasn't good. Like, I'm being completely honest with you. But Jurassic Express, they got the win uh, on this this match. Just nothing really impressed me about it at all. And I like Luchasaurus, I like Jungle Boy, Bear Country. They literally starting to grow on me a little bit, but... This match, I just think they had zero chemistry. And I think that's the problem. So, at the Nightmare Factory training facility, you got QT Marshall talking about his relationship with Cody and talking about the friendship he had with them. And he's always done the work for Cody. He's surrounded by Anthony Ogogo, Nick Camarado, and Aaron Solo. QT, he talks about Cody not cutting it hit in WWE and going to the Indies where he surrounded himself with Vanilla Midgets. Ogogo said that he's a mainstream name in the UK, but he's an American, and all the silly Yanks will learn the hard way. Now, Marshall said this is his nightmare factory as Camarado throws blue paint over the Nightmare Family logo on the wall. So, like, a decent little promo, but we just need to see this big match to make me care even more about QT Marshall in the stable. And I believe Anthony Agogo will be making his in-ring debut next week. So we got Stone 
Tony Schiavone interviewing Sting. You know where this is going to go. Jake Roberts interrupts. You got Scorpio Sky and Ethan Page are up on the stands looking on. Now, like, this is all building towards Darby Allen. I really did not care about this. Just, it's getting old. Like, it's really getting old. And I know Lance Archer came out with an interruption. So, an interruption with an interruption. Now, then we had Darby Allen versus um, J.D. Drake for the uh, TNT Championship. This was a good match. A pretty good match. Darby Allen, he retained. J.D. Drake, I think, if they don't sign J.D. Drake, they're missing a boat with this guy. Like, I've been following his work in Evolve. He is incredible. Like, that was my first time knowing about J.D. Drake. And to see him on a bigger platform, I think that's really great. So, hopefully he gets signed. Because you could tell they're looking at this guy and say he could be our next big star. So, Darby Allen, he retained. And you post-match, you got Allen's going up to the stage and he gets attacked by the Butcher. The Hardy family strolls out to beat up Allen. She runs over the commentary and yells at him until the Dark Order came out. And Bunny is now cornered and Ty Conti charges at her. And we get... um, Well, before we get this match, Alex Marvez, he talks to Chris Jericho about the Blood and Guts match. And Jericho's blindsided by the pinnacle. They bring him to the ring. They beat him up. MJF chokes him with the scarf. FTR hit a spike pile driver on Jericho. Marvez and the cameraman shoves the inner circle. Hercule dressing room and was nailed shut. And they were getting beat down until Mike Tyson came out. Tyson gets in the ring. He punches Spears. And literally, Sean Spears is going to be a punching bag for the pinnacle. Um, they yank Spears out. The inner circle finally uh, run out. as, t- And Tyson and Jericho, they bury the hatchet. And... Pretty much the crowd stood tall in the end. Now, and that was pretty much interesting. Like, they went from that that awkward pull-apart brawl to now they're friends again. But, you know, I think it's just helping a guy out, I guess, since he's now a babyface. Now, Tony Schiavone got to talk to Britt Baker, his favorite person in the entire world. <laughs> she asked Tony... Now... Britt asked Tony Khan to give the people what they want and give her a title match. Yeah, give me what I want. I want to see Britt get her title win against Hikaru Shida. Because I think, like, how long has Hikaru held that title? About two, almost close to 300 days or maybe in the 300 territory. Uh, Baker sh- says she's currently fourth, but she's at the top of the food chain and other, other things like ratings and merch sales. She says the system is broken, but she'll climb up the ladder and prove herself anyway. So she'll be on Dynamite Elevation and Dark to get her wins up. Which leads to our women's match with the Bunny versus Ty Conti. This was okay. I'm glad that, like, every time I watch Ty Conti, man, she constantly gets better and better. And she is just so phenomenal at what she does. And I feel like she's going to be next in line because she is ranked number one. For the um, AEW Women's Championship, I think we're going to have that match uh, either two or three weeks for uh, Dynamite. And then you build up Britt Baker stacking up wins. 
and going against um going to the number one rank and challenging um Hikaru Shida at double or nothing. I feel like that's where they're gonna go with this. Tay Conti gets an opportunity, comes up short, Britt attacks Hikaru Shida, and issues a claim that she wants next at double or nothing, and she wins the title at double or nothing. And I think that's the direction they should go with. I feel like that's what they should do. So next week, we got the Young Bucks versus Ray Phoenix and Pac for the AEW World Tag Team titles. Darby Allen versus Matt Hardy in a false count anywhere match for the TNT title. Anthony Agogo will make his in-ring debut. You got Red Velvet taking on Jay Cargill. Their feud is still going on. We got Dax Harwood with Cash Wheeler taking on Chris Jericho with Sammy Guevara with Mike Tyson as the special ring enforcer. All the other members of Inner Circle and Pinnacle are barred from ringside. So in our main main event, we got the Young Bucks and John Moxley taking on uh, the Good Brothers and Kenny Omega. This match, I mean, we all knew it was coming. Like, Matt Jackson didn't want to super kick his best friend. He didn't want to hurt his best friend. He didn't want to hit the beef trick, the BTE trigger on Kenny Omega. Terrible acting from the Young Bucks. Terrible acting. So, they super kick Moxley, and they, they're not happy. They don't seem happy with anything they do right now. Kingston tries to run up, but they get stopped by Gallows and Anderson. Hits the magic killer on Mo- Moxley. One, two, three, and that's it. So... The Young Bucks look conflicted, and the Good Brothers picks up Moxley and Omega and Callis want the Young Bucks to drop Moxley. They hit a super kick again, and they hug it out with Omega, Doc, and Carl to close out the show. Melodramatic stuff, and that looks like, I don't know, how many heel turns that they have now. They're going to beat the Big Show on on this occasion. Now, speaking of John Moxley, and we're going to transition it to a New Japan related um he currently holds the IWGP United States Championship and he New Japan released a video of John Moxley where the current IWGP US champion reminded everyone that he is one the one that gets the calls to shots and he calls out pro wrestling legend Yuji Nagata to a future match for the IWGP uh, U.S. Championship. He says, Nagata-san, grab your six-shooter, meet me outside the saloon and at dawn, and we'll see who gets a, fir- a shot off first. That's if you're up for it. Moxley, previous, previous title defense was on February, so this was two months ago, as he defeated Kenta. I thought Kenta was going to beat John Moxley, but you guys know my thoughts on that. But we're just going to have to wait to see if Nag- Yuji Nagata will accept his challenge. Now, speaking of New Japan, I did watch Sakura Genesis. Some j- only two big things that I want I took note of. You got Rapungi 3K um making their return, and they got new theme music, which I think is very catchy. They are your new IWGP tag team champions in the junior heavyweight division. After beating El Desperado and Yoshinobu Kanemaru, Yo hit his new finisher, which looks nice for the win and now I don't know how many times they've held that title before then the main event and I want to talk about the belt 
I'm getting used to it now. The belt looks uh, a little bit better when you have a different lighting. Now, the match between Will Ospreay and Kota Ibushi, I mean, it was great. I enjoyed it. But, man, did this outcome caught everybody by surprise. Will Ospreay is your new IWGP World Heavyweight Champion. He has defeated Kota Ibushi when he unified the title, which I questioned, uh, what? But look, and and I know people are not happy that Osprey beat Ibushi, but this, like, let's be real for one second. This man worked hard to make it to the top of New Japan, and he and he did just that. Now, post-match, he did said he want Okada because he wants revenge for what happened at Wrestle Kingdom this year which was an excellent match. I would not mind seeing these two go at it again. And um, you got Shingo Tagaki coming in saying, look, I want you next. And then you can have Okada. Okada said you didn't say a word. He's just like, I agree. I'll just wait. I'll just wait until that timing is right. So it looks like that's where they're going to go with this. And speaking of Will Ospreay, he did name drop Drew McIntyre. He said he wants to face him because he's he's the best. And I know Drew responded. And I also know that he wanted to face CM Punk. Let's see where that goes. So, looking forward to that. If, if WWE had the balls to do that when the timing is right, I think it would be great. I think it would be great. But I don't see that happening anytime soon. To bring in Drew McIntyre. So... Moving on to this story, and I find this one to be interesting. Lucha Underground. Haven't heard that in a while. Lucha Underground is a defunct series, but the idea could be coming back in a big way. Now, according to a recent trademark filing, two separate trademarks have been registered that are very interesting. Lucha Libre FMV filed two trademarks for Lucha Underground on March 31st. They are original producers... Of the El Rey series, along with Factor Made Ventures, AAA, and Robert Rodriguez. Another trademark was filed for the logo and the name for OVW. Now, previously reported, there was some talks with Court Barr and Conan about reviving the Lucha Underground concept for MLW. That idea could still be in the cards, but this might be something different. The original Lucha Underground company ran on El Rey Network on Wednesday from October 24th to 2018. They aired four seasons, but then kept several stars under contract for a very long time, forcing them to miss opportunities. So a new Lucha Underground, but with an underground revival, but with a different concept. You got my ears, because I'm actually looking forward to this. Now you got my attention. You got my attention. And I love Lucha Underground, man. I think it's really great. They got me into so many great talents. But um, I wonder how this new revival is going to be. That's something we're going to have to wait and see. I'm looking forward to that. Alright guys, before we continue on with the episode, I want to give a quick shout out to Amino. Now, you may be asking yourself... Hey, uh, Shino, what the hell is Amino? Well, it's an app. 
that is pretty much a network of communities that you can explore, discover, and obsess over things that you like. Say that you love video games, you want to join the video game communities on Amino, they have it. You like music, they have it on here. Like different genres. Like, for me personally, wrestling. Wrestling is one thing I that I really love. And I'm part of Wrestling Amino and I met a lot of amazing people on here. So, and it's fun to interact with everybody because they are very friendly very friendly people out there so once again if you want to try out amino it is free i am part of wrestling amino right here and th like this is where i got started before i got into podcasting so if you would like to download this app it is 100 free i am telling you it is worth it. Download the Amino app and hopefully I can see you guys on Wrestling Amino. And now, back to the show. Now, as you guys know, Xavier Woods is going to be working with G4 TV in this year's reboot. And he got the gig for that. And he will be in a hosting job, which I'm very happy for. And as a gamer, you should be happy as well. But WWE and G4 TV are partnering for new Xavier Woods hosted competition show. So this is what we got. Xavier Woods pulled for a hosting gig. This is the recap on G4 TV's 2021 reboot. Hashtag Creed for G4 trended throughout social media because of it. And all that work paid off and Woods landed his G4 host job. Now we know what his what he's going to be doing on the rebooted network. The write-up from WWE noted that the new show hosted by Woods will pit some of the biggest content creators and gaming against each player. Like against each other. Playing some of the most popular video games to settle scores with scores. Xavier Woods was more than happy to make this lifelong dream come true as he hosts a G4 television show. Partnering with Only Matter makes it better for everyone involved. So, <clears throat> this is what they this is what Woods said. Getting a shot to be a G4 cast member is incredible and humbling in itself. And I couldn't be more excited for a chance to have my own show. Not only will I host, but I'll also have a pivotal role to play as the top personalities in gaming to try to settle their beef. This partnership combines WWE sports entertainment and G4's competitive entertainment to bring a truly unique offering um, only these brands can offer, said Brian Terwigler, Vice President of Programming and Creative Strategy for G4. The format of the show along with... WWE superstar Xavier Woods, a.k.a. Austin Creed's electric presence on screen will make it appealing for gamers, WWE fans, and those new to both as well. Xavier Woods has become a household name in WWE um, and gamers alike, and he is the perfect fit to headline our new series with G4, said uh, Jair Donlin. If I pronounce their names wrong, I apologize. He, WWE Executive Vice President, Advanced Media, that's J, 
Jayer, if I'm if I pronounced it right, from console and mobile games to WWE successful up up down down YouTube channel. WWE's influence on gaming is stronger than ever, and having our own gaming series on G4 is the next step in the evolution of company's gaming strategy. Now, this seems like a fun idea, and we're hoping it succeeds. WWE's getting getting exposure on G4 TV is also a great thing during a time where they treasure demographic numbers over actual viewerships on most charts, especially when it comes to advertising. So... This, I think this is going to be great. I'm literally intrigued by this new show. And um, Xavier Woods, he's a passionate gamer and a passionate wrestler. And this looks so, this looks fun. Just reading the description about this new show that he might host. I think this is going to be a must see. Like, I love it. I think it's great. I honestly think it's a great move. And yes, it does give AEW, not AEW, it gives WWE some exposure. And who will like it if you see Kenny Omega make a surprise appearance? I'm just, I'm just throwing that out there. Just, just saying. I think that would be pretty awesome. Just to see Kenny and Austin just in a feud, which I think people would love. I think that would be nice. Now, I want to know one thing. Just moving on to the next story. What in the world? Where in the world is Nikki Cross? Now, Nikki Cross is ready to compete, but she's one of the many superstars not currently booked for WrestleMania. She has other options, but Cross wants to be a performer. Now, she recently unloaded a heartfelt message on Twitter about how determined she is to wrestle. She has a bachelor's degree, which I applaud her for that. Congratulations to Nikki Cross on that. She's halfway through her master's, so and she'll get a PhD if she wants to. Go ahead, Nikki. Go ahead. She is a qualified personal trainer and a gym instructor. She's like, "Heck, I could teach spin class if I wanted to, but I want what I want. I want to wrestle. I want to entertain. It's what I was born to do." And <clears throat> hopefully they give Nikki Cross that opportunity. I mean, she's one of the most well-respected well uh, talents on um, WWE. And look, the fact that they changed her theme music, that really didn't help her at all. It just made people care less about Nikki. And it's, no fault. it's not Nikki Cross's fault. It's WWE's fault. And they have nothing for her, and that bugs me. Like, they had a feud with Alexa Bliss, and Alexa was, like, she was white hot with her character, and I think it's starting to get a little old right now. I don't know what their mindset is. I really don't know. I don't know what they're doing with Nikki Cross. If you want, you could send her to NXT. If you want her to wrestle, send her to NXT. That's not hard. But you have to trade. You gotta trade someone. And, like, I just hope they give Nikki an opportunity. Like, I know how good she is, man. If you go back to her time in NXT when she faced Asuka for the NXT Women's Championship in the last woman standing match, which was possibly Nikki Cross's best match in her entire career. Like, if she goes back 
and she faces off with someone like uh, an Io Shirai or a Saray or a Candice LeRae, I think that would be great. Just let her go out there and entertain the fe- the people, entertain her fans. That's all. It's not hard. And I, I really hope they give some give Nikki Cross something to do, instead of sitting in the back and doing nothing. Now we got CM Punk, the voice of the voiceless. Triple H actually commented on the possibility of CM Punk returning to the WWE. Now. Triple H was the guest on Pardon My Take, and he admitted the last time he contacted CM Punk, um, he admitted the last time he contacted CM Punk and addressed the idea that some fans have that all he needs, he's to do is pick up the phone and call him about returning. The real question is whether CM Punk wants to ever answer that call. So he said, last time I talked to Punk a year and a half, He's like, last time I talked to Punk, uh, CM Punk, a year and a half. A year and three quarters ago. A funny thing that people constantly will say when his return is, or, but in some way, I don't know whether he does or not, but that his, but that has to be what he wants. When people talk about, they go, make the call, who says if we make the call, he wants to answer? What says if we make the call, he doesn't go like, yeah, I'm not interested in doing that anymore. Maybe he's just done with it. I think that those other conversations that only those people can directly answer, I think if he wants to do it, either we would get word and we would have those conversations or he would make a call or, you know, anything like that. But there has to be a desire to do something like that in the business. Like like that, the business is too all in to just go like, eh, alright, I'll do it. So, I don't know, man. It's up to CM Punk. If he, like, I'm going to be honest. If he returns to WWE, he makes a surprise appearance. Like, they hype, like, they don't, they don't, like, just announce it in advance. They just surprise the fans when the crowd returns. And you hear CM Punk's call to personality. Everybody in that crowd will lose their fucking shit. If it's in Chicago, and if I guarantee if when things are back to normal and they go to Chicago, I guarantee if they play CM Punk's theme, Code of Personality, that place will lose a shit. And, and Raw will probably have the biggest views because everybody will watch CM Punk. But like I said, it's up to him if he wants to come back to WWE. Or any or wrestling in general, no matter what promotion he wants. Now speaking of CM Punk, he actually uh, talked about Chris Jericho appearing on the Broken Skull session uh, on uh, the in WWE. Now TMZ recently interviewed CM Punk about Jericho's upcoming appearance, and this is what CM Punk had to say. He said, "I think it's interesting from sure. Obviously, I understand the buzz." Maybe I'll give it a shot and watch it, but it feels like it's going to be softball questions. I don't know. I don't think if they're going to ask Jericho all the tough questions, and nor do I think that they possibly should. 
it's an interesting situation. It'll probably be a feel-good interview when they talk about Jericho's past at WWE. I'm sure they'll mention AEW, but they won't get into the hard questions that I think people are interested in. Now, Punk was asked if he's surprised Vince McMahon and Tony Khan would be okay with this. And his response by saying, this is what CM Punk said, Honestly, my knee-jerk reaction and opinion is that I think it shows Vince McMahon isn't afraid of AEW at all. If he was, he wouldn't allow that to happen. Anytime anybody is talking about you, it's good. There will be people that don't know AEW exists who will watch it and say, Cool, I didn't know that. I just thought Jericho was retired. There's also something to be said about keeping your guy special, and the only place you can see the superstar is on my television show. It's a new age, and both companies need all the eyeballs they can get at the moment, so kudos to everyone involved. And CM Punk is right about that. Like, it's to get eyeballs on on the product for both companies. And... Do I think Vince, like, do I think Vince showing that he's not afraid of AEW? I mean, that's kind of skeptical. Now, Austin did confirm, like, just to recap, Austin confirmed that he spoke to McMahon twice about this appearance, and uh, he got the okay about it. And, um, like, I don't know, man. This is an interview that I'm looking forward to on the Broken Skull session. I'm probably going to watch that right after WrestleMania. I think that's going to be really great. And I believe it airs right after night two. So I think this is great. I'm looking forward to it. And um, I think we're going to have some really great questions. But I did see a clip of, um, of Chris Jericho mentioning Sammy Guevara. So they might throw, ask him about AEW. They might ask him some questions about that. And just... See what he thinks about it. What's it like working there? I hope that's what they ask him. What Steve Austin ask him. Because he gives the tough questions. But I feel like they might go back to his past. Just talk about his past a little bit. And I think they might cover his current run that he's having in the in another promotion. I think that's what's going to happen. But, um... I don't know, man. We're going to wait and see. I'm looking forward to it. I think... This is the only thing I'm pumped about for WrestleMania week besides TakeOver is um, getting my, uh, getting this interview with, seeing this interview with Chris Jericho on the Broken Skull session. So I'm probably going to watch that after night two of Mania. I think that's going to be pretty fun. So we got out dates confirmed for both Money in the Bank and Backlash. PW Insider reported that, um, Money in the Bank is going to be on May 16th, and Backlash will be on June 20th. Both will be held at the U- the Youngling Center. So, that's just a minor news that I want to give to you guys. So, you got your Money in the Bank, and you got your Backlash. I'm not good enough to call Backlash! Sorry, I have to, I have to bring out my inner Joey Styles on that one. I think I got a running gag for that! I think I got a running gag for that every time we cover Backlash. Just use that clip. I'm not good enough to call Backlash. (laughs) That would be nice. Now, let's talk about Andrade. And he actually took a shot at WWE. Now, 
Andrade is no longer with WWE and he realizes that he left some very talented wrestlers behind who are still sitting in the locker room. Now, the company are said to be looking to expand their Latin American uh, representation and that might bother Andrade a bit. Now, El Idolo saw a report about Nick Khan, who is the WWE president, saying that WWE plans to invest more money in beefing up their Latino roster. This caused Andrade to reply by saying this, more talent to, for sitting in the locker room. You know, guys like guys like Kalisto that they could be doing, guys like Lucha House Party that they could be doing with Grand Metal Leak and Lince Dorado, guys like Angel Garza, Humberto Carrillo, and maybe in the future, they're probably going to do the same with Raquel Gonzalez. Like, and Andrade knows this. He knows what it's like to sit in the catering, frustrated and wanting to wrestle, ready to wrestle, and they might offer, make some offer, but Andrade obviously isn't afraid to speak his mind, which might cause some to rethink signing with WWE. Like, why would you want to go there if they're not going to, if they say they want to push Latino stars, but they don't do it? Like, they try to put, like, they have plans to push Angel Garza, and they're not doing it. That's like saying you want to push the Japanese talent, but you're not doing nothing with Akira Tozawa. You got Nakamura, who is unhappy. Like, he even stated, like, a couple weeks back that he's not happy with his current run. Don't believe in reports on what on their, them saying that I'm happy. I'm not. That's like you saying you want to push Oscar, but you put her in the top five and saying she's one of the best talents in the world, but you don't show that she's one of the best talents in the world. And... Like, Akira Tozawa, don't even get me started. Don't even get me started. He went from being a Cruiserweight champion, being a really good standout in the Cruiserweight Classic, to him being dressed as a ninja, running around with a 24-7 title. And I fear for other Japanese talents that are in NXT right now, like Io Shirai and Saray and Kushida, because... You know where their ceiling is going to be on the main roster. Dead. Dead. Like, like you could say the only person that has success is Asuka, but her booking is not good. Even I come off criticizing WWE's booking of Asuka. I don't trust the main roster booking worth of shit. I don't even trust the people who work on the main roster booking to watch my own dog for all I care. Like, they try to push the Indian market. They blame Jinder Mahal for that. Like, and I just don't understand. Like, you got Kalisto, who is fucking talented. You're not doing nothing with the guy. If you're not doing anything with him, let him go. Same with Lince Dorado. Same with Grand Metalik. Same with Humberto Carrillo. Same with Angel Garza. If you're not doing anything with them, let him go. Like, you want to talk about pushing Latino stars. Don't say it with your words. How about you just do it and prove that you actually care? How come NXT's getting it right? If they're pushing Raquel Gonzalez, they put the rocket strap on her, and you got Santos Escobar, who is fucking fantastic. Like, what do you? What else do you want me to say? Like, NXT gets it, but you don't. It just bugs me. It really does.
What also bugs me is why did WWE break up the Hurt Business? The Hurt Business was one of the best acts on Monday Night Raw. And you want to know why they bro- why WWE broke up the Hurt Business? And you're going to be like, of course, it has to be this person. According to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, they mentioned that MVP and Bobby Lashley try to reach, try to talk to McMahon out of breaking up the faction. And he dug his heels in harder and did it anyway. It was noted that this was one of the decisions that Vince McMahon made due to him not wanting to push certain guys. What did I say? What did I say? The moment they broke up the Hurt Business, Cedric and Shelton are going to be dead in the water. That's exactly what happened. The breakup of the Hurt Business was a decision made by Vince McMahon. Let me repeat that. The decision to break up the Hurt Business was made by Vince McMahon. Lashley and others tried to talk him out of it, but this was one he wasn't budging on. Vince just gets the idea that he doesn't want to push certain guys, and once he does, that's it. It's a regular thing, and that's not likely to change. And it sucks for Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. And spoiler alert, Cedric loses to Bobby Lashley on Monday Night Raw. And you got to feel bad for them. Like, I look back to Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali in that fucking great vacant cruiserweight championship match at WrestleMania 34 in my hometown. They put on a great match. Cedric won that in front of his wife, Big Swole. That was a moment that he will never forget. And I know Cedric is not happy about them breaking up the Hurt Business either. Like, what are you doing? Now he's going to be directionless. If I'm Cedric or Shelton, I would ask for my release. I would go somewhere else where I would feel appreciated instead of being somebody's punching bag. Like, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. But Vince didn't want to hear it. Well, gee, Vince, now you're going to dig your hole. You're going to dig the hole even harder because I feel like what's going to happen in night one is not going to go the way you want it to. Absolutely ridiculous, man. Breaking up the herb business just because you don't want to push certain guys. And it's evident right there. He doesn't want to push uh, Shelton Benjamin. He doesn't want to push Cedric Alexander. How dare you? Why even have them? Why the fuck do you even have them? Just let them go. That's it. Let them go. It's not hard. Like, if you're not going to use them, let them go. Either that, send them back to NXT, have them go, have Cedric go in the in the cruiserweight division, or have him go after the NXT title. Like, fuck, man. It's not even fucking hard. Or, like I said, let him go. He could be with his wife down in AEW. He could go to Ring of Honor. He could go to Impact. But I guarantee if Cedric walks, he's going to AEW to be with Big Swole. And that's a loss that you are going to fuck up on. 
Sad. Sad. And the fact that Lashley and MVP tried to talk Vince McMahon out of it, knowing it's a terrible idea, and Vince didn't want to hear it, it shows how, how dumb Vince McMahon is. Like, I would say out of touch as well. Th- this is the best act, and you're just going to destroy it for what? We all know what's going to happen. You fucked up. You fucked up. Plain and simple. Now, okay. Moving on, we might see a new star heading to WWE. Now, for those who don't know, B. Priestley has worked the last match with Stardom's. And it was where she challenged Utami Hayashishita for the World of Stardom Championship, but was defeated. Um, Post-match, she cut a promo about her love for Utami and the promotion, and she ended it by thanking the promotion and revealing this was her last date. During Wrestling Observer Radio, Dave Meltzer speculated that since he knows Bia is not heading back to AEW and moving back to the UK... She could be headed to WWE to work on the NXT UK brand. Um, he said that she is not signed with Stardom. She has not signed with New Japan. She's moving back to the UK and has not told anyone what she's doing next. What makes them think it's WWE because if it's not, then we would know. We will probably know. I can tell you for sure it's not AEW. So I. Pro- is probably WWE NXT UK. I can't say that 100%, but that feels certainly what everyone in Japan feels. Now, Meltzer brought up WWE being interested in signing her since she went to New Japan. She worked for AEW in tw- from 2019 to 2020. Priestley was released on last August in AEW and went to New Japan to be paired with Will Ospreay. And she had a tryout with the company back in 2016. So, NXT UK, man, getting another big name in the uh, in the women's division. And it looks like we might see B Priestley on NXT UK, which, look, I don't mind. She's going to be a big star in, the U- in NXT UK, even though people don't watch the show and how good it is. Like... I think she would be a great NXT UK Women's Champion. And I think that's something people will say, you know what? She's really good. Can you imagine her feuding with Mako Satomura? Oh my God. Oh my God. I think that would be fantastic. That would be absolutely fantastic. But it's on a wait and see approach. We don't know what's going to happen. We're just going to have to find out. Last week, Matt Riddle uh, botch a segment with Asuka on Monday Night Raw. The United States champion rode his scooter up to Asuka. He asked whether scooters are popular in Japan. He then forgot his lines, so he apologized and walked away. And to the credit of Asuka, she just smiled, then the show went to commercial. Now, it turns out this segment was taped earlier in the day, but Vince McMahon and Bruce Pritchard enjoyed it so much the decision was made to keep it on the show when they could just, I don't know, just reshoot the angle instead of just keeping the original footage. Like, that's... Like, I already went off on them on that. But Fightful Select reported that the original plan called for Riddle to talk about everything from Mount Fuji to underground robot fighting in Japan. Um, And I like this part right here. Asuka was praised... 
by those in WWE for her reaction to the change in the moment, while Riddle was also praised. Now, the report also confirmed the previous report about McMahon being happy with how things turned out because it didn't really affect anything significantly. Riddle will be facing Sheamus for the United States title on night two of WrestleMania. And I did, if you watch Sheamus recreating this segment with Asuka, it's funny. Like, it's really funny. But yeah, Mount, Mount Fuji, the underground robot fighting in Japan. Yeah, like, you know how Riddle is, just whatever, whatever. But kudos to Oscar for keeping a straight face and just being a professional. That's what I love to hear. And I'm glad that the company was praising her for, um, by her reaction during the change of the moment. So she got a lot of credit for that. So good on Oscar. And that's what he Riddle was supposed to say. Um, just talk about Mount Fuji and robot fighting in Japan, you know, stereotypical stuff. We may be seeing two big names returning to um, WWE pretty soon. WWE President Nick Khan made an appearance on uh, the Colin Cowherd podcast to talk about a wide range of topics. During it, he noted that two significant talents returns happening in the future. Those stars are Ronda Rousey and Becky Lynch. Rousey worked her last match at WrestleMania 35 in a winner-take-all match against Charlotte Flair and Lynch. She went on hiatus to start a family, but is still under contract with the company uh, through the month of April of 2021. On the flip side, Lynch hasn't been seen since May when she announced her pregnancy on an episode of Monday Night Raw after Money in the Bank's. At the time, she were awarded Oscar with the Raw Women's title, and last December, she gave birth to her first son with Seth Rollins. Now, Khan was talking about doing big business with Rousey and Lynch at WrestleMania 35. They mentioned that both stars will be coming back to the future. Well, back in the near future. Huh, back to the future. Fucking love that movie. Anyway... Uh, Nick said Ronda is going to be coming back at a certain point. Becky Lynch just had her first baby. She will be coming back at a certain point in time in a not-too-distant future. And that's what Khan stated. And actually, Becky Lynch could be uh, returning pretty soon. And there's a big hint that is dropped right here on her Instagram Nothing is guaranteed here tonight, only now eternally. And you look at those first letters, if you go down, it spells night one. So she might be making an appearance on uh, on WrestleMania. So, and another spoiler that you guys might be aware of is that um, we might see an angle with Becky Lynch involving Bailey. And it's going to take place in a ding-dong hello segment. So, it looks like that's the direction that they're going to go with. So, that's what I see. And I think that's a great idea. Since Seth is on SmackDown, I think Becky's going to be on SmackDown as well. Now, before I move on to the Peacock story, which they're going to add something that the fans have been clamoring for. Vince McMahon has reportedly given up on two WWE stars, and do you know who those people are? 
to the surprise of no one, it's Shelton Benjamin and Cedric Alexander. Go figure. Go figure. Go figure. I fucking hate Vince. I really do. Like, when the day comes when he steps down from running WWE and he gives it to somebody that actually gives a shit, I would be extremely happy for that. Like, I think it's time for him to step down. Like, he doesn't have to be focusing on the creative side. He could still do the business thing. Just have someone else take over. I think that's the way you should do it. And push the talent that have been underutilized. And that's that. Now, to the Peacock story. They will be making some changes that will make the fans happy. And from what they've heard, Peacock... Uh, has stated that the player control will be available by Saturday on TVOS and iOS devices. This will also include the ability to restart a live broadcast. So if you have an Apple device, you should be able to, you should be all set in a couple of days. There's no word yet on when this function functionality will be available on other streaming devices. From what uh, WrestlingNews.co heard, Peacock is also working on implementing a thumbnail preview similar to the standalone WWE Network and other features that will be that will improve the user's experience. On a related note, several more years of Raw episodes were added in the last couple of days, and a team of Peacock is working on getting everything from other promotions moved over to the to their service by the summer. So, good. Make the people happy that have signed up for Peacock and now we got something that we need. And um, just to go back to that story for one bit, I mean, people complain. Uh, just seeing that Vince McMahon story really pisses me off. It really pissed me off. Like, I'm, st I'm trying not to get fired up here while I'm recording this because it just aggravates me that you got s some of the best talent in the world and you just gave up on them for no fucking reason. <sighs> Calming down, Shino. Calm down. But going back to the story, um, you can rewind now during live broadcasts. And they will not able... Like, that's the good news. For fans that are not able to tune in live for WrestleMania or fans that want to rewind, rewind during the live broadcast, you're getting that. And I think this is great. It's about time they stepped up their game. So, this is good news to hear. Anyway, Monday Night Raw, the final build for WrestleMania 37. Um, I don't know how I could say it. Like, nothing really happened. Like, just some quick thoughts. You got Drew McIntyre cutting a promo about WrestleMania last year, what it felt like um, before moving to Lashley. And he talked about it would be the biggest fight of their careers. You got McIntyre saying that Lashley... Has the luxury of being able to go home after work, but McIntyre didn't have the luxury of doing his that he had during his career. Now McIntyre wondered how Lashley could beat a man who was willing to sacrifice everything, and then you got Baron Corbin wasn't going to stop him, and he planned on ending the Almighty Era. Lashley and MVP they came out, and Lashley said it took them both a long time to reach the top, but. Now, only one of them can remain there. 
Lashley knew that the locker room was afraid of McIntyre, but Lashley saw fear in him last week when he put him in the hurt lock. So they argued about who's tougher, and McIntyre dared him to get in the ring. MVP cuts him off before he could finish to remind him that the match is Saturday, not tonight. And MVP said that he will lose his dignity, consciousness, and the match at Mania. Now, McIntyre said he would run over Lashley at Mania. MVP thought it was a tough tat hawk from a, someone who may not make it to Mania, and out comes Baron Corbin. Like, look, I love the back and forth between Lashley, MVP, and uh, McIntyre, but when Baron Corbin's music hits, my interest just dies down. Because this King gimmick is so fucking annoying. And... Like, he cuts his little promo, whatever, did not care. And that that's that. Our first match on Raw saw Xavier Woods defeating AJ Styles. This match lasted only a minute. I mean, did not really care about it. You got Bad Bunny and Damian Priest. They arrived in a Bugatti, which we're just going to speed through this storyline real quick. They arrived. You got Miz and Morrison walking through the back with a can of paint, which is red. And... They were telling Kevin Patrick they were artists, and they approached Bad Bunny's Bugatti, which they claimed was worth $3.6 million. They rode on the car, and after the commercial, you got Bad Bunny just coming in, looking pissed off, and he sees um, <clears throat> the car being defaced, and you got Miz and Morrison attacking him from behind, and they chucked him into a Nissan that was nearby, and you got Bad Bunny, like Miz taunting Bad Bunny, and officials chased him off, and then Damian Priest appeared. So following on with that, just um, just following up with that, we had a segment involving Damian Priest and Bad Bunny. Um, now Priest said Miz and Morrison crossed the line. He called Bad Bunny an award-winning icon, while Miz and Morrison were old news. He said they should make it a tag team match at Mania, and Bad Bunny nodded in agreement. Now, Bad Bunny said that he came here to follow his dream. He loves the business and respects the superstars. He remembers watching Raw, SmackDown, and every pay-per-view with his family. He had a lot of good memories of WWE, but doesn't know what to think now after this experience. He initially came here to just perform at the Royal Rumble for a song with Booker T because he respects Booker. He, listened tri he listed Triple H, Steve Austin, The Undertaker, and Ric Flair among his favorite wrestlers. And he used to like Miz, but realized that Miz never respected him. And for no reason. Now, Bad Bunny said that he wasn't a professional DJ, but he was a man. And Miz disrespected his DJ and his fans. And he acknowledged that he splashed Miz and Morrison off the top at the Rumble, but that was no reason to hit him with a guitar and a paint a car. And he said that Miz crossed the line and he doesn't even care why because Miz will respect him at Mania. And he says, I'm going to shut your mouth and whip your ass. And he did some cut the promo in Spanish. You got Morrison and Miz interrupting on the screens. And you got Miz saying Bad Bunny didn't belong there and they will send him home. Morrison accepted their tag challenge and they left him in a limousine. So that's what we got for uh, this this whole segment. 
We got a Braun Strowman Shane McMahon segment, which I honestly could care less about. I don't give a fuck about it. I really don't. But it led to a two-on-one handicap match, which um did not even last that long. It was Elias and Jack Riker, Jackson Riker versus Braun Strowman. Gee, I wonder who won this match. Was it Braun Strowman? What a surprise! I did not care about this. We had Oscar and Rhea Ripley taking on Shayna and Nia. They decided to turn Rhea Ripley heel on this match when they could have just done it early in advance. But I just don't like how they booked this storyline. Like, it could have been something unique and fresh. Now, don't get me wrong. Oscar and Rhea are going to have a great match, but the build has been atrocious. And of course, Oscar gets pinned by Shayna Baszler. Go figure. Go figure. Looks like that's going to be a little mini feud as Oscar lose her title. And I would say Shayna and Nia lose their titles at Mania. I think that's what's going to happen. Now, anyway, we had Lashley taking on Cedric Alexander, which I said, look, it was a good, it was an okay match, but to the surprise of no one, Lashley won. Cedric is going to be in the wayside doing nothing because Vince gave up on him. Go figure. He gave up on Shelton too. Go figure. Um, We had a, a really good match between Riddle and Ali. I thought this was really good. Uh, it's a non-title match. Sheamus was on commentary. You got um. You got Riddle hitting uh the bro Derek uh for the win, which I thought was really good. Really good stuff between these two. I think Ali and Matt Riddle have great chemistry. Then the main event we got Drew McIntyre versus Baron Corbin. Drew McIntyre won. Match was boring. End of story. End of story. That's Monday Night Raw for you. Like, that's how much I did not care about the show. Now, NXT UK, I wanted to focus on three matches because they had their prelude, which is their other, which is just a little prelude for what we're going to get. We got the Heritage Cup number one contenders match, Tyler Bate taking on Noam Dar, which they did a pretty good, they had a pretty good match. And um, Tyler Bate is the number one contender to A-Kid's Heritage Cup, which, I mean, I can see Tyler Bate winning, but I think A-Kid's going to keep it until he drops it to Jordan Devlin. I think that's the plan that we're going to have. We got Mako Satomura teaming with Millie McKenzie, who is now Amelia McKenzie, just a slight change in the beginning, defeating Isla Dawn, who is now a Black Witch. Taking on Kay Lee Ray, which the baby faces won. Uh, McKenzie got the pin on Isla Dawn. And post-match, we got Valkyrie possibly challenging Mako Satomura. So, I think Mako's going to bring her... I think Mako's going to bring uh, Valkyrie to her A-game, which she is still unbeaten. And if she could beat Mako, I feel like she's going to be the one to take the title from Kay Lee Ray. I think that's the plan that they might go with. And I thought the NXT UK Championship match between Walter and Rampage Brown was fucking awesome. Hard-hitting, great shit. Rampage Brown came about this close. The same with Ilya Dragunov. This close to winning the title. But Walter keeps his title. He reigns supreme. And I just don't think nobody's taking the title from him anytime soon. And that's NXT UK's prelude, which I thought was a really good show. 
I just wish they would. I just wish people would give it a, a chance. That's all I'm saying. SmackDown did their go home show. They built it as WrestleMania SmackDown. It was it was nothing more than a clip show for some of the big matches, um, for the Raw side, but um, we had some really damn good promos. Which I thought was a very good show. Makes a good show. The SmackDown Tag Team title match was fun. Uh, the Battle Royal was a eh, typical Battle Royal. But this is how we started things off. We had Daniel Bryan open the show. And this was a great opener, in my honest opinion. Um, so he makes his way down to the ring. Gets on the mic. Talks about... Uh, He's excited for WrestleMania this week, and he can't wait to see the set, the smell of the pyro, and hear the roar of the fans. Brian said that he loves the Thunderdome, but there's nothing being better, nothing better than being in front of the fans. There's nothing better than winning the title in front of fans at WrestleMania. Now, Brian pointed out that, and I love this part right here. This is where, like, the promo starts to exceed at high expectations. Brian pointed out that he's associated with the word yes, but he's been told no many times in his career. People told whole Brian no. He couldn't make it to WWE. No, he couldn't get in the main event of WrestleMania. His friends and families wouldn't let him be negative. Brian noted that everyone said no. He said yes. Adam Pearce said no. He couldn't headline WrestleMania, but Daniel Bryan said yes. As well pointing out, like, he pointed out, um, no, Adam Pearce said yes as well. But Brian pointed out that this Sunday might be the biggest match of his career. He knows that Edge and, um, Reigns are very dangerous. However, they're not facing the family man. They're facing a dangerous Daniel Bryan. He asks one last question. Can Daniel Bryan walk out of the main event of WrestleMania as champion? And he started doing the yes chant, which, like, this was a great fucking promo. It was a passionate promo. And it was an excellent start of SmackDown to kick things off. So, our first match, we had the Fatal 4-Way to for the uh, SmackDown Tag Team Champions. You got the champs Bobby Roode and uh, Dolph Ziggler taking on Ray and Dominic Mysterio, the Street Profits, and Chad Gable and Otis. Now, the thing I hate about this match, and this is just me nitpicking, it was a fun match, don't get me wrong, but the thing I hated, and this is something that they should take notes from NXT from their tag team triple threat match, they didn't have two teams standing at ringside ready to be tagged on NXT TakeOver, uh, standing to deliver night one. They had each team being represented, and they tagged their own partners. That's it. See how easy it is? But all in all, the match was fun. Um, Bobby Roode and Dolph Ziggler, they retained their titles. And like I said, it was a fun match. We got Kayla Braxton interviewing Bianca Belair. And Belair admitted that she's nervous for tomorrow night, but that doesn't mean she's scared. She's excited to prove what she can do. And, and Bel Braxton reminds uh, Bianca that Banks is dangerous and would do whatever it takes to win. Now, Belair notes that she's the strongest, the fastest, which makes her the dangerous one. And she promised to defeat Banks and win the title. Tip, like a good promo. It's a good promo to get her hyped. But what I loved 
was this Biggie um, video promo. Um, he went to the barber. Um, like it was just. This is how I would say it. He was at the barber in his hometown, and he noted he's from Tampa, and he comes here to get, comes to the barber to get his right mindset. Now, he went to Raymond James Stadium, where WrestleMania is taking place, where he mentioned that he played high school and an uh, all-star game. And he promised Apollo Crews that this is where his dream will die. Awesome, awesome promo right there. We had Tamina versus Nia Jax. This match ended in a disqualification. Who cares? I did not care about this at all. Then we got the Riot Squad getting interviewed by Kayla Braxton backstage. Um, Billy Kay showed up with her tag team partner, Carmella. So, again, what's the point of breaking up the Iconics if you're just going to pair Billy Kay up with someone else? Like they did with Peyton Royce when they uh, paired her up a little bit with Lacey Evans. What was the point of splitting up the fucking Iconics? Then you got, you got Naomi and Lana coming in. Mandy and Dana coming in. We had a huge brawl. I just... I did not care about this. I really didn't. Until Tamina and Natalya came in. And they pretty much laid all those teams to waste. So... Billy Kay and Carmella are added to this tag team turmoil match. Eh. 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 But, um... I love a campaign... I love the campaign style. Um... Seth Rollins vignette, which was funny talking about Cesaro. Like I thought this that was really good. But what was re- what was excellent in my book, possibly another highlight was Edge. When it comes to promos, mwah, Chef's Kiss, Chef's Kiss. It is must you must listen to Edge when he cuts a promo. He sat on a chair in the middle of the ring, talked about going to WrestleMania six. And seeing Hulk Hogan against the Ultimate Warrior. And he knew that that night what he wanted to do with his life. He did everything he ever said he was going to do. He manifested his dreams and made made them come true. The only thing he didn't do on his time was ending his career. He fought back to earn a title shot at WrestleMania 37. And he mocked Brian for claiming this WrestleMania could be his last. He again mocked Brian for trying to get a title shot at WrestleMania instead of a clash between Edge and Reigns. It's a triple threat, and he called Brian an indie book store troll. <laughs> well, goddamn, <laughs> that was good. And I also love this line. He called Roman Reigns Samoan Edge. <laughs> I, I fucking love it. I love it. He noted, and someone actually photo, uh, photo shoot the um, the image of Edge with Reigns' body. <laughs> That's great. Now he noted that Reigns started his career in a three-person group, and he entered through the crowd and uses a spear just like him. Now Edge, um. <clears throat> Excuse me, Edge pointed out that that most fans are into Brian except for the lemons that chant yes and what. He pointed out that he came back from an injury that nobody in sports entertainment or sports has ever done, 
and it took him nine years to come back, and he's not phoning in, phoning it in. He's doing hurricanes off top ropes. He demands respects, and he promised to be um. He promised to be the uh, next world champion because he dream he dreamt it, and now he he'll manifest it. Which I thought this was fantastic, an absolute fantastic promo by Edge. Like he is a re- he's really great when he comes to promo. So if I had to rank it right now, Edge is at the top, and Brian's in second. Now we gotta hear what Roman Reigns has to say later on. So. Uh, just fast forward a little bit. We have the Andre the Giant Battle Royal. So the participants in this match are Akira Tozawa, Angel Garza, Cedric Alexander, Drew Gulak, Elias, Eric from the uh, Viking Raiders, in case you forgot about them, Grand Metalik, Humberto Carrillo, Jackson Riker, Jey Uso, Kalisto, King Corbin, um... Lince Dorado, Mace, Murphy, Ali, Ricochet, um, Ricochet, Shelton Benjamin, Shinsuke Nakamura, Slapjack, T-Bar, and Tucker. Now, like, it was alright, in my honest opinion, but it really picked up with Nakamura and Jey Uso. That's where I think the match really picked up. But Jey Uso, he's the winner. I mean, what does the winner of the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal get? I'm still waiting for that. Like, we all thought Nakamura was going to win it, but Jey Uso won. And then, out comes Banner, 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 Bam, Bam, Roman Reigns. I-, I can't wait for him to get new theme music. And I hope it's not like some generic fucking rock music. Like, hopefully it's... Like, this is why I think Jim Johnson should... Ret- they need somebody like a Jim Johnson, someone with a mind like Jim Johnson, and they will give Roman some a most badass theme music, and I just think it will fit his character. And I hope they debut it at WrestleMania. I'm just throwing that out there. So, this is what Roman Reigns um, had to say. Reigns was furious that he has to be there tonight. He's upset that his match... He's in a match where he can't where he can lose a title without getting pinned and he promised to show up Sunday night and win in the main event. He promised to show up like <clears throat> cuz I'm getting like excuse me for one second cuz something's bothering me a little bit. And literally he's promised to show up and win. He admitted that Edge and Bryan had one good night and Reigns had a good night since SummerSlam, which is true. He noted that he helped change the ratings. He turns his attention to the Dreamers, pointing out that Bryan talks about making him tapped out. He promised that Bryan wouldn't make him tap out Sunday. Reigns mocked Edge for attempting to, um, <clears throat> to make his case. Um, and my dog is tearing up one of my uh, old shirts. attempted to make his comeback story complete and he says Reigns isn't a dreamer and he's the head of the table Reigns says that Edge and Bryan is just the start he promises that nobody can expect can expect what's next and he vows to retain the title 
he quotes Paul Heyman and says it's it's a spoiler and not a prediction. He promised that at the end of the night, Reigns, the world would acknowledge him as the head of the table. Another great promo. Another great promo by uh, Roman Reigns. So it was a promo night for those three guys for WrestleMania. And overall, a pretty decent SmackDown. Now we get to the fun part. WrestleMania. It's prediction times. They are back in business. That's the tagline that they're using since they're going to be having fans in attendance. We're going to start with night one. And we're going to go through the order here. Um, We all know the opening match is going to be Bobby Lashley versus Drew McIntyre. Bobby Lashley will defend his uh, WWE title against Drew McIntyre. And I feel like this is destined to a Drew McIntyre win. Because I'm going to be honest with you guys and say this. Like, if Bobby Lashley retains, what other baby faces do you have? Raw has a big babyface problem. And literally, I think, like, how would I put this? They should have done, they should have been building babyfaces up. But I don't, like, as much as I want Lashley to just keep the title and go on a dominant run, he's just going to be a placeholder for Drew McIntyre because I feel like the company wants to recapture the moment for Drew to win the title in front of fans. And I think that's what's going to happen. I got Drew McIntyre winning the WWE Championship. We got Bad Bunny and Damian Priest taking on The Miz and John Morrison. Um, I got to give credit to Bad Bunny. I'll, I'll give him credit where credit is due. He has been training and I, I got to give him props for that. Um, I think this the reason they pair Damian Priest up with Bad Bunny is because they want to present Damian Priest as a big star. But um, and I'm going with Priest and Bad Bunny. Miz and Morrison, they're, they ain't winning worth a shit. And um, I just think that's the right outcome if you ask me. We got the New Day. Kofi and Xavier Woods defending their Raw Tag Team titles against AJ Styles and a debut on Omos. Um, AJ was supposed to face Triple H. Now, I'm just throwing it out there. I feel like he was supposed to face Triple H at WrestleMania, but that ain't happening. It's a waste of a match, even though he's been losing on Raw. I'm going with AJ Styles and almost. AJ needs this win. He's going to be the... He and almost are going to be the new Raw Tag Team titles. So they switched the titles from the Herb Business to the New Day, and then it's going to be switched to uh, AJ and Omos because reasons. Because the tag team division on the main roster sucks cock. And that's the God-honest truth. We got a steel cage match between Braun Strowman and Shane McMahon. Honestly, I don't give a flying fuck about this match. They could put Shane McMahon on a WrestleMania card, yet they can't put Bailey on a fucking WrestleMania card. Literally. And and that's something that bothers the living shit out of me. And I'm being completely honest with you guys. This feud is stupid. I lost half of my fucking brain cells watching this storyline. And the steel cage is supposed to keep 
Elias and Jackson Riker away. I guarantee they're going to get involved some way, somehow. But Braun Strowman's winning anyway. I don't care about this. Braun Strowman is going to walk out the winner. We got Cesaro versus Seth Rollins. I think this is going to be a really good match. And I think these two are going to put on a clinic. And I think it's time for a much needed win for Cesaro. Seth doesn't need it. I think Cesaro needs it more. And I just feel like they got some big plans for him coming out of WrestleMania. And I think it's going to lead to a world title picture. Like a universal title match. Which, spoiler alert, you're going to know what my prediction is for night two of the main event. So, Cesaro, he's my pick to win. We got Lana and Naomi versus Dana Brooke and Mandy Rose versus the Riot Squad versus Natalia and Tamina versus Billy Kay and Carmella. This is a tag team turmoil match where the winner gets a shot at the women's tag team titles at night two against Shayna and Nia. Like, I could see Billy Kay and Carmella winning. I could see them winning because Billy... Carmella has a history with uh, Reginald. Like, because she bought her him in. And that's possible. Like, it, like, that's one pick I could see. I could also see Lana and Naomi winning. I think Naomi is from Florida. And uh, they want to make it a feel-good moment for them. Or I could say the Riot Squad. Because I think that's the only team that they got. But, I mean, if I had to pick out of those three... I might go with, um, just safely, I'm going to say Lana and Naomi. I feel like they want them to have a feel-good moment with those two. Like, I would not mind a Carmella, I would not mind seeing Billy Kay or Carmella win. I think that's another storyline they could go with as well for night two. So, I'm sticking with Lana and Naomi here. Then the main event, the headliner for night one, and rightfully so, the SmackDown Women's Championship. Sasha Banks versus Bianca Belair. This is going to be great, but the build sucks ass. I think the build sucks. And I'm being completely honest with you. And I think it's a much-needed win for Bianca Belair. I think Sasha's done everything as the SmackDown Women's Champion. I think it would be a nice breath of fresh air. And I think the feud may continue a little bit. With Sasha being a full-blown heel. And I think that's the direction they're going to go with. So I'm going with Bianca Belair. It's her time. like, And I think this is going to be a great feel-good moment for her to win her first championship belt on uh, in WWE in her career. So, by all means, Bianca wins. They continue the little feud with her and Sasha. Possibly at Backlash or at, yeah, at, Backlash or at Money in the Bank. And, um, yeah, I think that's it right there for night one. Now, night two, we got Asuka defending her Raw Women's Championship against Rhea Ripley. Um, if you want me to be real, like, originally the plan was for Charlotte to face, um, Asuka. But due to WWE's medical doctor being an idiot, claiming that she was pregnant, she was pulled because they thought she was pregnant when newsflash she's not. And if I'm Charlotte Flair, I'd be fucking pissed. I would be pissed off that I wouldn't get to perform in front of 
like fans watching, like legit live breathing fans. And not only that, not only that, I think she would have her reason to say, you know what, I don't want to be here. But the wrong women's division is a mess. Like, it's a mess. Asuka was the MVP of last year. She made that women's division just feel like something good. Then when she was the Raw Women's Champion for the second time, they honestly didn't do much with her. They had her, be, they had her pair with Lana. They had her team with Charlotte Flair where she was two-belt Asuka or Empress two-belts. Then she drops the tag titles because Charlotte and Lacey Evans was the top program. And I'm doing this in air quotes because, honestly, it wasn't a top program. So much so that they were willing to take the title off of Asuka and put it on Lacey Evans and have her feud with Charlotte Flair going into WrestleMania. Which would not scream WrestleMania worthy. Now, Rhea Ripley coming to Raw was the smart decision because Raw needed her more than SmackDown because the Raw women's division is complete ass and it's because WWE does not know how to book some of the women on Monday Night Raw. Now, if you were to ask me who should walk out the champion, if you're a big Asuka fan, uh, Shino, would you pick Asuka? I would say no. I wouldn't pick Asuka to win this. Like, Sasha and Asuka have one thing in common. They are winless. They are winless when it comes to WrestleMania. Now, I would prefer to give the title to Rhea Ripley. You could do more with her as champion. You could have Charlotte Flair return. And you got a storyline that's literally easy to easy to write right there. Like, she could get payback for WrestleMania 36. That's it. Now, where does Asuka go from here? You could show a new attitude for Asuka, like show a new aggression side when she slowly descends into the killer clown Asuka that she wore. She wears this clown face paint that she wore in Japan, and you just see a different side of her that nobody else could see. And I think that will work. Only use it when it comes to a big match. And I think it will benefit Asuka more if she doesn't have the title. So I'm going with Rhea Ripley. I think it's the right time. Rhea Ripley should not lose for a second straight year at WrestleMania. And it sucks for Asuka, but it's WWE's fault for not booking anybody that was ready for Asuka like for the past couple months. Because you got you were too busy putting your focus on the women's tag titles that I think is just honestly I don't even care about on the main roster. So Rhea Ripley's my pick. I think she's walking out the new Raw Women's Champion. You gotta build towards your future. Rhea Ripley and Bianca are gonna be the face and lead the charge for both brands. And I think that's the way you should do it. <clears throat> you got the Fiend versus Randy Orton. I mean, Alexa Bliss was is the MVP when it comes to some of the segments. She is literally going all out with her character, which I praise her for. This match, I mean, I mean, I don't know how to feel about it, and I'm being completely honest with you. I'm going with the Fiend here, and um, I think he's gonna pick up the win. You got Big E defending his Intercontinental Championship against Apollo Crews in a Nigerian drum fight, which is technically a hardcore match. 
And Wale's going to be performing, and I forgot to mention, Rhea Ripley will have a performance as well. Um, Honestly, I think it's time for Apollo to win the title. And he gets the much-needed win, because if he loses again, where does Apollo Crews go from here? He goes nowhere. And you could also make a reason for Big E to drop the title, which we will explain why later. So... I think that's what's going to happen. I'm going with Apollo Crews. He's going to walk out as your new Intercontinental Champion. Kevin Owens versus Sami Zayn with Logan Paul. Honestly, does anybody even give a shit about Logan Paul? Because I don't. The only thing that will make the crowd happy is if Kevin Owens hits a stunner on uh, Logan Paul. Now, I know Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn, they're going to have a great match. I think this is going to be really good. And... I'm going with Kevin Owens here. I think Kevin Owens needs this win more than Sami Zayn. And I think that's the direction they should go with. We got Matt Riddle defending his United States Championship against Sheamus. I expect this to be a good match. And I am going with Sheamus here. I feel like this is going to be a consolation prize for Sheamus. Like they did with Shinsuke Nakamura. They gave him the U.S. title as a consolation prize. Um, For not... Like, for not winning the world championship. So, they felt, you are good. So, here's a reward for your hard work. Here's the U.S. title. And that's it. So, I think Sheamus is winning the United States championship. I could be wrong. They might want to build up Matt Riddle. So, they... Which, look. I don't I don't want to see the, this shitty CGI birds when he kicks his slippers off. It's, it just doesn't scream excitement. <coughs> it's not needed. So, I got Sheamus here. He's winning the United States Championship. Then we got Nia and Shayna taking on the winners of the women's tag team turmoil, which I predicted Lana and Naomi. I mean, you could have Lana and Naomi have that feel-good moment before we get to the main event. Um... If I had to play it safe, I'm going with Nia and Shayna. I think they're going to retain. I think they're going to retain. But if they want to go for the feel-good moment, I will have Lana and Naomi win. But I'm going to play it safe. Nia and Shayna retain because I don't even know who the hell is going to win this tag team turmoil match. Then the main event for night two, which I am looking forward to. Roman Reigns defending his Universal Championship against Edge and Daniel Bryan. This is going to be fucking awesome. And um, you can make a case for all three of these guys to walk out as the champion. You could have a case for both Reigns and Daniel Bryan. It's a redemption story, but for both guys. But you got Roman Reigns, who is killing it right now with the head of the chief uh, gimmick. He's the tribal chief. He's not the big dog. He's the head of the table. And I love it. Why would you want to end it in his reign so suddenly? And I, I just don't think he's dropping that title anytime soon. So I feel like Daniel Bryan is going to be there to eat the pin. And Roman retains. Now, what do you do with Roman at... Who do you feud with him next? You got Cesaro. You can make a case for him. He beat Seth Rollins. He's the former uni- 
Like, Rollins was a former Universal Champion, so he could stake his claim against um, Roman Reigns, which I think would be a pretty good match. You can make a case for Shinsuke Nakamura. Like, Nakamura, he won a gauntlet match, and he got screwed out because of Roman Reigns. So that's another thing they could come back to. You got Daniel Bryan. You got Daniel Bryan, you could do Edge again. So, oh, and you could do Big E when he drops the Intercontinental title. Like, you look at the video promo he did on SmackDown, I think Big E versus Roman Reigns, take my fucking money, man. That's a SummerSlam-worthy match. Like, come on. Who does not want to see that? But as much as I think Daniel Bryan has that chance of winning, and he's the biggest underdog in this match, they I just feel like they shouldn't repeat WrestleMania 30. If you want to live that feel-good moment, it is possible... But I just think Roman Reigns is just so good with this new gimmick. Why would you want to take the title off him right now? So I'm sticking with the tribal chief, Roman Reigns. He is going to retain the Universal Championship, and that is WrestleMania 37. So all in all, like I'm, the matches should be good. The build sucks. I think this is one of the worst builds that they've ever done for WrestleMania. Like, I hope they do a better job next year. And, well, every time I hope, I ask too much for this company. But they'll just leave me disappointed in the end. So, that's it for this episode. I am getting the heck out of here. Um, And this is how things are going to work. I think Monday I'm going to be doing my review for uh, WrestleMania for both nights. Give my honest opinion about the shows. And, um... Yeah, yeah, I think that's what we got planned for next week. Because I'm going to try and do this uh, right before the post-Raw after Mania. So, we'll see where this goes from here. Anyway, thank you guys so much for tuning into this episode. And again, this is going to be busy, busy for me. Make sure you follow me on Twitter at ShinoDPhoenix. Make sure you like the Facebook page. No one's ready for wrestling. Make sure you uh, follow me on Instagram, Cool Man Sip, and follow me on Twitch at Shino Phoenix. So until then, take care, be safe, support wrestling as much as you can. I'll see you guys next time for my thoughts and reactions for WrestleMania 37 for both nights. This Phoenix flies off. Beep.